0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Whatever it is, ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, of this great show, Weigh In Sports Talk. Glad you could join us tonight at a different time. You know, daylight savings time. We fell back an hour. I'm coming off a of vacation, so need to get in the bed a little earlier tonight, so I'm going to do an afternoon show. It's already dark and raining outside, so I'm sure everybody's in. Only a couple of football games going on right now, Jets and Oakland and the Cowboys and the Seahawks. So it's not like you have eight games. I'm not competing with eight or 10 football games here. I'm just competing with really two. So hopefully everybody can join us to break down what happened this past weekend in college football and also what happened today in the NFL. So hopefully Jonathan will join us, maybe Trey, Quinn, who knows, Sonny, Cuervo, whoever will join us, will join us. If not, you'll just hear me talk. But we'll start off uh, yesterday. We – you know, I do follow the Auburn Tigers. That's my team. They fell short 27-19 yesterday against Ole Miss in jordan Air Stadium. Auburn was a seven-and-a-half-point underdog and lost by eight. So if you bet on Ole Miss, you covered the spread. You won. Everything's good. But just thoughts on the Auburn Tigers. Uh, very impressed with the fact that Gus hasn't lost his team yet. And I hope he doesn't. But the, the key to me, when when it when it's time to fire a coach, is when you, the players no longer respond to you. you. You cannot motivate the team that you have to even show up and fight. But one thing about this Auburn team, at four and four right now, they continue to fight and showing signs of life. They do have big issues at the quarterback position. Jeremy Johnson busted earlier. In the year, I mean, nobody saw this coming. Nobody saw Lawson missing all up until yesterday, and we'll talk about him in just a moment. But when you have issues at quarterback and you lose almost your entire offensive line, you lose your entire backfield, you're going to have some growing pains. Nick Marshall, the quarterback at Auburn, was so good at what he did that I think we took it for granted as, as Auburn fans, football fans in general. When you watch Nick Marshall, he commanded the huddle, he commanded the field, always cool, calm, and collected. Gus Malzahn will have to go back to the junior college rankings and also the recruiting trails to recruit dual-threat quarterbacks. That's exactly what's needed in Auburn, Alabama right now in order for them to be successful and and a chance to get to Atlanta, which if you win that, you're probably in the playoffs. Sean White's a great kid, don't get me wrong. He's just not going to be a, an Atlanta quarterback. I'm sorry. He's not going to get you through that tough SEC West schedule. Yesterday, um, he struggled. He was hurt. But yesterday was his first touchdown pass thrown in the entire season. He's been there. and he's He's been starting ever since the Mississippi State game. So, to me, uh, he's a good quarterback. He's accurate. But, you know what, so is a lot of other quarterbacks. Jeremy Johnson was supposed to be – the dual-threat quarterback, but I always questioned his running ability. I didn't know if he could, but I didn't realize he could throw either. So Jeremy Johnson came in for, for about four or five snaps yesterday, and he, he looked like he did earlier in the season, just throwing it up for grabs. Um, it's just very disappointing to see Jeremy Johnson, after being benched, to have his shot to come back in for an injured Sean White, and they wouldn't even put him in there, man. I mean, it, that's sad. They won't even put you in for an injured quarterback. Sean White went out there and took a beating against an Ole Miss squad that pound you. They they physically assaulted Auburn yesterday, and Auburn with, withstood it and, and battled. They couldn't run the football on Ole Miss, which which caused problems. And, and then when you can't run, you have to go to the air and be creative. But I, I put the blame yesterday's loss. It's a team loss. Don't get me wrong. Everything's always a team loss, but I put I put the blame on Gus Malzon's play calling because he would he would play magical chairs with these quarterbacks, and it's just every time I knew exactly what they were going to do, and if I know what 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 the offense is about to do, I know Ole Miss's players and their team knows what Auburn's about to do. I just didn't like to go in for it on fourth down. It's on your side of the field. I think it was fourth and four, fourth and five. Gus Malzahn went for it instead of actually punting the football. The defense at this time was playing good, and, and the defense played better yesterday than it has all year, even though you look at the yardage. That was the most yardage given up. But that defense put pressure on the quarterback, made open field tackles. old Miss, you have to credit them for coming into Auburn and beating Auburn. But I, I just have to – Put some blame on Gus Malzahn because the play calling was just piss poor to, to describe it. I'm not saying fire, Gus Malzahn. I'm not. I'm not an idiot. I know Gus Malzahn's a good coach, but it just seemed like there was some kind of desperation for Gus Malzahn yesterday. The, some of the play calls he made, some of the positions he put the team in. Did Auburn play good enough to win that game? Maybe. You know, maybe they did. But Ole Miss. I knew coming in, it was going to be very tough to run the football against them without the, the threat at quarterback of running. And Sean White's sitting back there with a brace on his leg, on his knee, not with with no no threat to run the football whatsoever. So right now you're at a disadvantage. Old Miss's defense is good at one thing, and that's it's really getting to the football, getting to the quarterback. If if a defense as Old Miss knows where you're going to be, your point is they're going to be there waiting on you. And Old Miss put a lot of pressure on Auburn's offensive line yesterday. Auburn's big uglies like to run block, but but again, Old Miss credit Old Miss yesterday for shutting down Auburn's running game. That's what they did, and they won the football game. and And I want to talk about what separates the best team in the SEC from Auburn's in last place in the West right now. Are they a terrible football team? No. I mean, that's that's how close it is week in and week out. This could be, seriously, a team that a couple of plays would have beaten Mississippi State, a play away from beating Arkansas, a couple of plays away from beating Ole Miss. I mean, it's, it's that close in college football. You saw Ole Miss go to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama at night there. That's hard to do, but they did it, and people blame turnovers on Alabama, but you know what, turnovers happen. Who forced the turnovers? That's the key. Who forces turnovers? Ole Miss forced the turnovers for Alabama. And they and they beat Alabama. They came to Auburn and they beat Auburn. We didn't turn the ball over a ton of times or anything, but they just Ole Miss was a better football team on the field than Auburn was and it's all about the quarterback position. The quarterback position at Ole Miss is solid. He, they have a gunslinger, oh, Swag Kelly, Chad Kelly. He's a he's a good quarterback that can really beat you because he can move the pocket. He can he can extend plays with his feet. He can throw down the field. That's the difference between Auburn and Ole Miss yesterday. The difference was Ole Miss had a better quarterback. Then Auburn did. And it and, and just let's let's talk about a minute. Carl Lawson's return to Auburn yesterday. I thought he was going to come back and play some third downs. The Cats started the entire game. He played a lot of the game. He made everyone on that defense better. Auburn looked like for once this year, besides the first half of Louisville, that they actually understood what was going on. I, I see freshmen growing in front of my face. I see the younger guys being leaders on the team. And Auburn needs serious help at the linebacker position in this coming. Um, we have some young linebackers on the way. We have some red shirting, we have we have just uh recruiting. Muschamp's gonna get his guys in. But let's let's credit Old Miss yesterday for coming into Jordan Hare Stadium, wanting that game just as much as Auburn did. They both wanted it the same, and Ole Miss got it because of quarterback. Let's bring on Quinn real quick. Quinn, I mean, looking at the mm-hmm. Ole Miss Auburn game yesterday, I, I think the big difference in that game was Ole Miss was better at the quarterback position, and they were able to stop Auburn's running game. I mean,
0: yeah, I, I was the Ole
1: Miss Rebels. Yeah, I
0: haven't, I haven't, I was, uh, I was gone all day, so I haven't been able to re- watch that game yet. I saw the staff and some other stuff, but it looks like well, the defense you, you. did better.
1: Well, statistically, they gave up a lot of yards, but that's okay. You watch that game. One thing you, you're you going to watch, Quinn, you're going to see that Carl Lawson made the biggest difference in the world. Had he been in this, had he been there all year, Auburn would probably be a two-loss team. the worse right now. But, yeah, give him yeah. a couple weeks to get in shape. Give him a couple weeks to get in shape. By the time we play Georgia and Alabama in a few weeks, I'm guaranteeing you, and I'm telling people this, you can mark it down, Auburn's going to beat One or not, if not both of those guys, I'm telling you. But but what concerns me, Quinn, is Sean White. He's hurt. He's just not a quarterback for the future. I know we disagree on this, but Auburn better pray that they go to the Juco's and they find that Cam Newton, Nick Marshall-type quarterback to come in and run the offense because Sean White is not going to be the quarterback to get us to Atlanta anytime soon.
0: Yeah, we'll see. What do you think? think? I think – I mean, if the Duco does come in, that's great. But I think if he doesn't, then I think Auburn will be fine next year either way. That's how I feel.
1: Yeah, but we can't run the – see, the, the, the when you play defenses like Ole Miss, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, you better have to you, – you have to make them account for the quarterback's legs. And with Sean White with a big knee brace on yesterday – we knew one thing. We knew Sean Watt was not going to run the football. Well, our running game was held to the lowest. It's It's been held to since I remember Gus Malzahn, and it's all because of the quarterback. If you're a drop-back quarterback and you cannot run, you disadvantage you because Ole Miss is a very athletic, physical defense. that's going to get to the quarterback. It's just a matter of time. And our offensive line did the best they could. But Ole Miss, when, in passing downs, what Gus Malzahn would do – He'd bring in the Wildcat, and then he'd bring in Jeremy Johnson for play, and then he'd bring in Sean Wilde, third and seven. Well, you you know what's coming. Gus Malzahn lost the game for Auburn yesterday. Um, if you go back, I think it was the early third quarter, maybe, Quinn. Uh, it was, Auburn was at their own 40, I believe. It was fourth and five, and they went for it, and they didn't get it, and the defense was playing good at the time, pun them punt them deep and let your defense play. But we didn't get it, of course. And Ole Miss took it in for a touchdown. And the rest oh, wow. is history. Auburn played good enough to win that game yesterday. But, but Gus Malvon looked like a coach just in desperation. It looked like yeah. a, a guy that just didn't have the answers. And that's what worries me a little bit. Now going on the road to A&M, you got Sean White. I don't know how healthy he's going to be. And, and if you look at Jeremy Johnson Quinn coming yesterday, Still the dumb dummy quarterback doing the same stupid stuff that he did that got him benched. I mean, what does what Jeremy John? I mean, all he does is throw in a triple coverage and hope somebody catches him, usually it's the other team. I mean, it's, it's, it's pitiful to watch him on the field. Is Sean White better than Jeremy Johnson? Yes. I mean, there's no doubt about it. There's not even – uh, a thought in my mind is that is Jeremy Johnson's better now. This guy is terrible. I don't I don't know what happened, but he's he's better off going to tennis or something to play it than ever playing quarterback in football.
0: So so you think that we're in trouble if the JUCO
1: doesn't come to armor? Oh, well, when I say trouble, I mean the defense is going to get better. Of course, it's it's already getting better. Uh, and and Muschamp showing his uh, I know his ability it takes time, but if you want to go seven and five next year eight and four, Sean White's your guy. But you know what if you want to win I an think, SEC. I think in the off
0: season if uh, if Gus knew that Sean White was the quarterback going in, he would change some things up in the playbook. You know what I mean? I, I agree. Com-
1: I agree. Because I don't think this is a
0: com- this playbook is quite accommodative for him. So if he knows going into the season, if they don't land the juco, that Sean White's going to be starting, then I think he'll more accommodate the the, the playbook
1: for uh, Sean White. Well, Quinn, Quinn, you're exactly right. I mean, this is – I mean, you don't think – at what was it, week two or three? You don't – you don't make a quarterback change at that point and not say hit the panic, but because this was not even a concern of you, me, anybody out there, it was never thought of. What if Jeremy Johnson doesn't work out? We we and I'm I'm guilty. I I'm know you are too. You thought yeah. that there was no way that that you, you, any quarterback that plays for Gus Malzahn's been good, so we didn't worry about that. We we worried about the defense, making sure, but i uh, very proud of the way that team competed yesterday, though. Just want to throw that out there. Gus Malvon has not lost his team because they continue to fight. They fight, 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 but... Oh and they've miss. been in every game, except for the yeah.
0: LSU game.
1: Yeah, and that was just a turnover fest, and that's why we wasn't in that game, but Sean White yeah. protects the ball very good, and he did that yesterday, but... I think yesterday you saw Javon Robinson. And and when you watch the game, Quinn, you're going to see Javon Robinson. This is the guy that I was expecting to be there week one. He got hurt the first play he touched the ball. Here he comes back yesterday. And he's a mixture of Rock Thomas and Peyton Barber. He's faster. He's stronger. And he, he, he had a great game. I think they were giving Peyton Barber a break yesterday because of how many carries he's had. We don't want to get him hurt. But Javon Robinson steps in the game. He he looked very good, but but I'm telling you, one thing that we people never do sometimes is credit the other team. Ole Miss came to play. We didn't have a Treadwell on the field like they did. This guy made play after play, swag Kelly, keeping the plays going. Ole Miss found a way to run the football at times, and it wasn't like, it was, I mean, this was always a game from the first play to the end. Auburn was in it, so it was I mean, you're, you're talking about probably the SEC champion right here, Ole Miss. Possibly, uh, we hung with them the entire football game. So there's not much that separates the number one team in the SEC from from you know an Auburn team right now. It's just yeah a touchdown. If you think about it, one I, touchdown, one yeah one play can and, change a Auburn can be right back in it. But it was and, a it was a I good know that game. You need to crazy, watch it. But I think they can blow out Georgia. Well, I could blow out Georgia right now. They suck. God, that's a man, that's a bad team right there. You talk about it. And again, why, Quinn? Why why is Georgia so bad right now you think? I know you think it's Chubb I, but, but... Uh,
0: Well it well, because I'll say that the running backs they have I like I was saying earlier in the week, that the running backs they have are really good, but Chubb could really take the pressure out of the quarterback and no matter what they could do, Chubb was so good that he could still find ways to get in the end zone, even if they are putting nine, eight or nine guys in the box. He could still find ways to get yards and to get touchdowns and kind of, mm-hmm. and kind of get guys to come so that maybe they could now, since he's out, they're not as worried about the Georgia
1: running game and so they can drop more guys into Cubs. Well, Georgia looked like a – man, that quarterback they had yesterday needs to go to community college and beg (laughs) him to let him come be towel boy for him. That's how how bad he was. I I question Mark Rick's coaching to to put a guy like that in the game, that big of a game, against the Florida defense. I I picked Georgia to win because – I really thought their defense would would come to play, but it's obvious to me that Georgia finally, they they hit the quit button. There's a little button that I was worried that Auburn was going to do, and they have it, but Georgia hit that quit button. And and if you listened to the show earlier when I first started, the sign of me, me to get rid of a coach is when the team quits. And right now Auburn's fighting hard. To, to try to get wins and get better. So Gus Malzahn is still finding a way to, to get those guys ready. So let's not hit the panic button on Auburn, but let's flip yeah. over to, to Georgia right now. What are they going to do? I think the loss of Bobo, and let's ask Jonathan. Jonathan, the loss of Mike Bobo, the offensive coordinator for Georgia, and and uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name right now. The running back, Chubb, being out and no quarterback. I mean, where's Georgia going in the future? I mean – I think it's time to to probably pull the plug on Mark Richt if you're if you're Georgia right now. If you can you can find somebody, but that was a pathetic game yesterday. It really was. Uh, I only
0: watched it till um, Florida took a twenty nothing lead. After that, I went. You know what? Clemson's on. Let me go check them out. I mean, that was that was bad. They looked very very bad. Um, you know, you had a quarterback out there who didn't really know what he was doing, and I think that was a huge issue. Where you you tell you know, you have a kid who was battling for the starting quarterback job all, all all off season, and he's been around. It's not like you know he just got hurt and disappeared. He's been there in practice. He went out there and looked like a deer in the headlights. I don't think Florida's defense really played all that great. I just thought Georgia was
1: really that bad. Uh, I mean, yeah, they you know, they quit, execution. man. They quit. They quit. Do you, do you, I mean? What do you think when you look at Georgia? Are they going to hit the quit button, or have they already? I just, I mean, I look at that Auburn game in a few weeks, and you know, a few weeks ago I was worried about it. Now I'm just like, well, if Auburn had to quit by then, we should blow Georgia out. I mean, that's how bad they are.
0: Yeah, I mean, I almost think they beat Missouri because it was just a battle two and F teams, and somebody had to win that game. Uh, looking at it now. Because, I mean, you saw how they quit against Bama. You saw how against Tennessee it seemed like they just, like, stone cold, and then all of a sudden uh, they just let Tennessee come right back in and take it over. I mean, it's just – it it really worries me what's going on there. I mean, has Rick really lost his voice in the locker room? Because if Rick has lost his voice, then it's over. You, you, he's got to go. Once a coach loses the locker room, he's got to go. Yeah.
1: And see, and and that's why I don't. I don't know if you watched Auburn yesterday, Jonathan, but but if you watched them on the field, does that look like a team that that's uh, packed it in for the year? It looked like a team that was actually actually trying uh, to win a football game. But you got to credit Ole Miss; they were just a little better yesterday than Auburn.
0: I agree. Auburn fought yesterday, and that impressed me. They uh, they fought. And and they stayed in it, and they didn't quit. The, Ole Miss would punch him, and they punch him right back. It, it was really great to see that at Auburn. And that tells me that Malzahn hasn't lost that locker room. That team still hasn't quit. Because the way that team's looking at it is going, you know what? Yeah, we had all these high expectations, but we can still fight back and make something out of this season and get positive momentum going into next year. And that's that's what you're looking for when all of a sudden it goes, oh, this this just became a disaster, let's blow it up. And the players still look like they're in it. The defense played really well yesterday. I mean, Auburn definitely got some positive things it to is. work with.
1: And Lawson was back. I guess you noticed that, Jonathan, that Carl Lawson, what a difference he made to that defense. Did mm-hmm. you see the pressure Auburn was putting on Ole Miss?
0: I did. Lawson played phenomenal yesterday. Um, and because he was there, the, uh, you could tell Ole Miss game plan to to watch him to, to keep an eye on him to try and throw double teams and everything and it opened up everybody else to get up after the quarterback and it was really exactly. nice seeing that
1: exactly and Jonathan Auburn goes on the road day and then this week I think you know with a Sean White I and mean, you probably watch Sean White and you I think you're probably starting to agree with me you may not be that he's not the quarterback that's going to take you to Atlanta I don't think but if he's healthy, I think Auburn has a shot to beat A and M with their running game. Javon Robinson, was you impressed with him yesterday? I'm always impressed
0: from what I see from Auburn's running backs anymore. I mean, they they just keep pumping out a different guy every week who who's been playing well. And you're right. I think Sean White. I I agree. I don't think he's an Auburn quarterback, and I don't think he's going to carry out a promised land. But right now, I think he's good enough to where it's not what you have at Georgia. I mean if Carl White was at Georgia, Georgia's competent. That that's a that that's a competent team. That's a team that probably beats Tennessee and and you know is in the game against Florida. And he's better than whatever they have over there. And he fits that system a lot better than he does at Auburn. So I think against A and M you're gonna have to gash from running the football because if you don't, you're just it's open seats for Miles Garrett to come in and try and you know and end someone's career.
1: And, and old Ole Miss is too good, and and like I was talking about, and you tell me what you think. When you have a and Sean White's a warrior. He's going to end his career because he's so he's such a dang warrior that he's going to stay in the pocket and deliver, but he takes punishment. So you look at Ole Miss; they knew he wasn't going to run. They knew where he was going to be every play. And to me, that's Gus Malzahn's fault in a way for for not. But Quinn made a good point before you came, Jonathan. Had Gus Malzahn known, you know, in the spring that Sean Watt was going to be his quarterback, you'd probably see a different playbook. But it's, you can't really change your plays all of a sudden, you know, almost your whole entire playbook and scheme. Jeremy Johnson, that's the bottom line. Him not panning out was a disaster to this team, and they're, they're rebuilding on it. But if every, anybody that thinks that that Alabama-Auburn game at the end of the year is not going to be meaningful, they're crazy. I mean – a one-loss Bama team, Jonathan, coming into Auburn, I really do think that that Auburn could beat them. I really do by that time. You have lost in another month. Remember, we're a month away from that game. you got A&M, Georgia, Idaho, and Bama. Three of those four games, their last three are all at home. So Auburn has a chance to play spoiler in the SEC, and a two-loss SEC champion Ole Miss could get left out that could be up because of Auburn. That would make me very proud to see the SEC left out of the playoff.
0: No, I think you're right. I think Auburn still has a lot to show, and they're going to keep growing as this, this month progresses. And, yeah, I, I'm just really – I was really impressed with what I saw from Auburn yesterday. I mean, A, I was happy that Ole Miss covered seven and a half, but, B, I honestly didn't think that was going to happen from what I saw. I thought Auburn had right. a really good shot to win that game.
1: Yeah, and, and you thought old Miss was gonna come in there, you said, and lay it to them, and 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 for most most part, I would have been with you, but I was waiting to see what will Auburn look like. And you know, you're, you're supposed to win a national championship, and we're about to get off Auburn, but now you're four and four. And I I think they have a honestly legitimate shot to win three out of four. Just say if Auburn wins three out of four, they're seven and five. And I know they're going to win. I, I think Auburn's going to bowl. I do. They're going to. They're going to beat A and M, Georgia, or Alabama. One of those games. They're going to end up winning, and they're going to beat Idaho. But that's not the point. Is you're talking about momentum? You know, like carrying it over. Auburn ends the season seven and five with a win over Alabama. That's that's momentum you're talking about. And they hit the JUCOs, and they get a, they get that big time quarterback that they need from Florida State. That's what I'm talking about. Momentum. Is that what kind of momentum you're talking about?
0: Yeah, no, it is. Because right now everything's about positive off-season momentum. Because Auburn's not going to play for an SEC championship. They're not going to play for the playoffs. So, at this rate, right, you want to try and win some big games. You know, let you, know, you I, they're going to beat Georgia. Georgia's pathetic. All right, so, you know, you got to beat a <laughs> or Auburn. Let's say you win – I mean, A&M or Alabama. Let's say you win both. You have great momentum going into a bowl game. You win your bowl game. You have a great momentum going into fighting day. I mean – Yeah. Let's not forget we'll that for champ, a school like Auburn, that means something.
1: Still, yeah, will must champ there, you know, showing some positivity. But let's let's get off the Auburn Tigers. And I, there's no moral victories, guys. I've lost the loss. I was aggravated we lost the game, but I was proud that these guys fought. That that I'm up. See, when you when you support a team, you support them through the good and the bad. And Jonathan, you've had some years where. You've watched Florida State and you've been disappointed, but you've had years where, you know, here lately they've really, you know, made you happy. And Quinn, Notre Dame, the same way. Quinn seen Notre Dame struggle and then do good. And we're going to talk about them in a minute, but let's go to Thursday night. Oregon, 61, Quinn. Arizona State, 55. I mean,. Five to three Oregon. Are they are they are they ready to make some noise now? I mean sixty one to fifty five. If you if you like scoring, you watch that game. If you like to suck, watch Florida and Georgia. Which one did you like better?
0: <laughs> I mean, that that was a crazy game. Uh I I just was seeing the score of the Florida-Georgia game. But, I mean, entertainment-wise, I think I'd rather watch the Oregon-Arizona State game. Even though I'm not the biggest fan of uh, really high-scoring games like that, it it can be entertaining. Well,
1: Jonathan, Oregon, man, I think that was a huge win for them on the road. And not only just a win, to be able to, uh, to score some points. You know, Oregon was struggling with their identity all of a sudden. The first quarter they scored 10, second quarter seven, third quarter big for them 17, probably they gave up 17, but then they scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter and they scored touchdowns in all overtime. So big win for Oregon, right?
0: No, it's a huge win for Oregon just based off of how it looks to the recruits because, you know, in conference that's a huge win. Uh I couldn't believe it got to that point. I really couldn't. That that that's that, <laughs> that's the fourth that last yeah, the the tie it up at forty one, that touchdown pass was unreal. That was something else by Vernon Adams. And you know though without Vernon Adams, Oregon's not in that game. Vernon Adams, if he had been healthy and playing in all of the games, if he'd been healthy for Michigan State and healthy for Utah, I mean we could be talking about a total in Washington State. This is a totally different Oregon team. This is a contender we thought we were gonna see. Defensively, yeah, yeah, they're weak, but he doesn't quit. He he creates opportunities for that offense. And it was really impressive. I got to be honest; I fell asleep after the second overtime. Uh, so I woke up and went, "Wait a minute!" Oregon actually pulled this out. <laughs> Holy cow!
1: You know? Yeah, you got to be a man to stay up and watch it. You got to be Jason Humphrey to watch that game. But but now all of a sudden that Washington win two weeks ago. Was huge for them because they went to Washington and won that game twenty six to twenty. We saw what Washington did to Arizona last night. What was it was like forty nine to three. I took Washington and gave the four up. I had five team par last night. I was happy about, but you know now looking at their schedule, California comes to Oregon. They go to that's before that big Stanford game on the road. Stanford showed us last night that they are beatable. They got lucky to beat Washington State. Then they host USC and Oregon State. Um, Oregon's not going to make the playoff this year or anything, but this could be huge for them the rest of the season to show that they do belong, and, 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 and it kind of keeps the recruits from getting scared off. You know what I mean, Jonathan? Like, hold on, what's going on at Oregon? All of a sudden they finish 9-3. and three. It kind of shows, okay, we lost the quarterback. We had to replace Mariota. We still won nine games. That's what you're looking for, right? If you're Oregon, finish out 9-3 and three strong and and just keep building from there. I like that win.
0: Yeah, no, it was a big win. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that, after a win like that, you know, you worry about a letdown the next week. And I think in all reality for Oregon, though, you look at it and go, that's a momentum builder. That's huge for them because they just need they needed a good win to try and get rolling again. You know, the way they beat Washington, everybody's like, okay. Um, I mean, is Oregon really going to be back? And then they beat Arizona State, especially the way they came back and they kept fighting. I'm like, okay. Oregon might actually need that. This might be a team that's going to get something done. we got to keep an eye on them now for the rest of the year because they could go and stun Stanford. That would not surprise
1: me. Well, I'm going to tell you this, guys. One thing that really, really aggravated me last night, and, and Jonathan, since you're an ACC guy, I'll start with you. To see Duke and Miami and see the officials the entire game just – through Duke and then at the end, how do you review something for ten or fifteen minutes and you call that a touchdown, Jonathan? That's criminal almost. I think what needs to happen is those guys should never be able to officiate a game again. And I think you put a W on you put a W in Duke's win column right there. I don't care about it didn't happen on the field. Duke was cheated last night. They won that football game. What do you think is gonna happen?
0: Well, I know the wrestlers suspended this morning. Um, I didn't see how long, and I don't really care, because I had Duke to close out two different parlay. They just needed Duke to win. I wasn't even laying points. So, I mean, you want to talk about going from highs to low? six seconds left, they scored scored what I thought was a game-winning touchdown. I'm over here going, oh, my goodness, this this is a great night. uh, You're kidding, right? I mean, the guy's (laughs) knee's down, and he has possession of the ball. They missed that. His knee wasn't down. How does everybody see that, and you don't? Oh but there was no block in the back, really? You're sure about that? Did you not see the one on the sixteen five, yard right? line? Mhm <laughs> no, on a play like that, there's no way there's not a block in the back. There's no way okay that, that's just that's just how I mean on a play like that where you have eight laterals the flying fly all over the place, there's just no way, and that's what bothers me more than anything, okay. But for the rest to go, well the following plays under review, they come back. Out for review, the play's still under review. What do you mean? I mean, well, what is that? Well, we came back, that wasn't a block in the back, and his knee wasn't down, so touchdown. Wait, what? In what world? It, it was terrible. Now, I did see something. Let your conspiracy theory minds mind run wild, if you will. 70 The head official for that game, 70% of the games he's officiated, the Rose underdog has won outright. So let that be what it is. Um, but I, uh, I was, I was uh, disgusted. Uh. I was disgusted in what I saw from the officials last night. That,
1: Just that from the, the standpoint of what, that should
0: never happen.
1: Quinn, what did you think about it? Did you see it? If you didn't, don't even start talking about it. Did you see the play? I saw
0: the replay. I saw the replay. I saw that final play.
1: Yeah, I couldn't. What did you think? How do you miss that? How do you miss it? I mean, as an official, the co- replay. Yeah, and his knee was clearly down too. Even if you don't include all the
0: penalties or the guy running on the field without without his helmet when the guy wasn't even in the end zone yet, uh, about three or four blocks in the back. And then I heard they reviewed it for ten minutes, and it got. Yeah, I don't know. I know I saw that they're suspended indefinitely, so I think that might mean they're pretty much fired. But yeah, I don't, well, I don't get it. And Duke was the home team, so it's even weirder that the home uh, team got screwed.
1: Well, well, it's to make people bowl eligible, I think. But but let me tell you this: this is what if this had been an Iron Bowl, just say, what would have happened in Tuscaloosa? Just say we're in Tuscaloosa, Auburn, Alabama. Auburn won the game off that. Those referees would have been hung up by the goalpost and killed. They'd probably been cut in half, shot, raped, whatever. They would have not have made it out of that stadium alive, Jonathan. I promise you that. Had this game been an Iron Bowl or a, or a school that really cared about football, those, those officials would be dead. Don't you think? I mean, seriously, they've been beaten to death. That was my that was my first reaction, to be honest.
0: How how are they getting home? Because there's no way, there's no way, if I'm at that game, those refs are getting out of there.
1: None. It's no. not happening. I mean, I, I just don't understand. I'll, if I'd have been a fan in that game and I could have got out of the seat, I'd have went at least punched one of them in the face, at least probably knocked them out cold, just if you're cheating like that. These guys, are, I don't know. I mean, I I, do, I see people get cheated all the time, and – and not like that though. I mean, my God, that was that was just robbed. And poor Duke's ranked. They 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 have a lot going on, and and they deserve to to be cheated. Because here's what it was: they felt sorry for Miami, uh, losing by 60 last week. They fired their coach, and now they need a couple wins to get bowl eligible. Well, here's one of them. Let's hand deliver it to you. And I think sometimes that goes on in in conference play, Quinn. And you ask about the home field advantage. Why would it happen there? conferences, all they care about is money. And and yeah. everybody needs to be bowl-eligible. That's why you're going to see Auburn knock off somebody, whether the SEC lets them or what. Auburn's going to get bowl-eligible just so they can make some money for the school or the yeah, conference. From, but that's a, that's a shame that, that something like that had to happen. But in and ACC from what you, the news, other news. From what Jonathan said, <sighs> it
0: might sound like the, that head ref might sat on the game.
1: If yeah, it's I mean, the, what was the line on that game, Jonathan? Was it like? Well, uh, Duke
0: was laying. Duke was laying like ten. So Miami money line was actually pretty tasty.
1: Yeah, think about that. You remember what we always talk about—that ten-point underdog man money lines. That's. I think once it gets past ten, there's no money line anymore. Ten is as high as you can go, I believe, with a money line bet. So it's Quinn. Oh I mean, no, look, money going, line
0: gets a lot higher.
1: Money line gets a lot higher, trust me on that one. Okay, well, I don't want to go any higher than that, but Frank Beamer announced today I believe that he's retiring, stepping down after this year. Um, Jonathan, a lot of coaching vacancies everywhere in football. Is Virginia Tech a good job that somebody would want? I mean, do you want to to come from behind and and replace a, a Beamer, a guy that's really made Virginia Tech what they are? He realizes that he can't do it anymore. You know, Virginia Tech hasn't been relevant since they beat Ohio State and then they fall apart last year. I mean, who's going to replace Beamer and are they going to promote from within? Bud Foster, maybe?
0: I think Bud Foster would be a, a, um, an interesting hire for them. Um, and with Bud, the expectations wouldn't be as ridiculous as with an outside job, uh, uh, an outside guy, because the, the university is going to get Bud some time because he's been there for so long. And you know that Virginia Tech's known for for Bud's defense, so I think he'd get a I think he'd get you know a couple extra years that somebody else wouldn't get. Now here's the thing: Virginia Tech still owns their state, so recruiting wise they still sit pretty top dog as far as it goes. And there's a lot of good talent that does come out of Virginia. Uh, you see it time oh. and time again. I, I mean, one of the biggest name recruits out of there ever is Percy Harvin. But Florida State, you know, their whole thing is they're you know the whole thing with Florida State is we're always trying to get one of the top guys out of Virginia. We're trying to get him away from those Virginia schools. So it's definitely, um, I think, a good hire if it is Bud. It's a shame to see Frank go, but at the same time, it is time for him to go. And I'm glad he went out on his own term. I'm glad he was able to say, you know what, I I finally, you know, my time is done. And Frank was a really good human being. He really was. And that's what's going to be missed the most from Frank Beamer was that he was a really good human being. He did a lot of good things in that school.
1: He's a dirty-ass coach, oh, man, sometimes. I remember back in that Sugar Bowl in 2004, the Auburn guys getting their eyes gouged out by his players on the bottom of the pile, you know. It is what it is. But, you know, you're right. He's a good man. He's done a lot for this school. And, um, see, people don't realize that all these Alabama assistant coaches are about to be leaving, man. They're getting they're jumping off the Alabama ship before it sinks. And Kirby Smart's going to be leaving possibly uh Crystal Ball, all these other guys are going to be looking for head coaching jobs. And Herman that went to Houston, he may be coming to get one of these big jobs. This is what's going to keep us dizzy. This is what's going to keep our ratings up on Block Talk Radio all these coaching carousels going on, who's going here, who's going where. But one thing I will tell you, Will Muschamp won't be going anywhere. He's going to be staying at Auburn until he turns my defense around for me. So he's not, people talking about him going to South Carolina, Johnson. There's no way. South Carolina would hire him as a head coach right now, would they?
0: Uh, I'm not sure about that. Um, I mean, yeah, though, no, I think South Carolina is actually <laughs> going to go for one of the smaller school guys and do like a full-on rebuild because they are in the ch- they, they do have that opportunity to do so because fan expectations have been lowered. And because if you look around their conference landscape, you know, you're like, well, if we hire a big name, what are we going to do? <laughs> I mean, really, all of a sudden we're going to hire a big name and we're going to be able to jump Alabama, Auburn. Uh,
1: you know, LSU. I mean, come on. So, I really think I'm
0: small.
1: I like the young guy, like the guy you talked about, maybe that's coaching at a smaller school that's hungry. That's the key. If you're a hungry coach, Jonathan, that's contagious. People, the recruits pick up on that, the team, they're trying to prove themselves. That's what I want at Auburn. Say Gus Malzahn leaves, he goes somewhere else, he gets fired, whatever. I want someone coming in that that's trying to make a name for themselves, like the Jacksonville State coach. I know people don't realize he, he was a coach at my high school, Albertville. So if you watch that Jacksonville State team, what he did with that, he's trying to make a name for himself, Jonathan. That's the kind of coach I'm looking for. I want somebody proving themselves. I don't want some guy that's already been there and done that. There's a there's a loss of hunger when, when things like that happen, right?
0: Oh, I agree, and that's why I take the Steve's Spar- – and it's interesting with South Carolina because – We've seen them with Steve Spurrier and Lou Holtz, and everybody goes, well, you know, they hired them. They're going to try and go for another name like that. They hired Steve Spurrier and Lou Holtz because they could. They were big names that were open and willing to come to them. They didn't have to chase them. They knocked the door and said, hey, would you mind? And that's the only reason why they hired those guys. They would prefer to go a smaller guy route because they want somebody hungry and proven because they have to build something at South Carolina. They're not trying to maintain something.
1: Yep, and let's move on to Quinn. I, and, Quinn, if you tell me you didn't watch – did you watch the Notre Dame game? Let me ask you that first.
0: I watched it till the second quarter. I was coming back from state cross-country because I helped coach a team. So I got through the second quarter. I was about to go charge my phone with my car
1: charger and the
0: bus. The bus broke down, and so my phone died. So I wasn't wow. able to watch the
1: rest of that game either. Well, Jonathan, Notre Dame impressed me going into that environment, winning the game. I know it wasn't a beautiful game. Temple, Temple played good enough to win it. What'd you think? And, and also, Jonathan, I want to ask you, what'd you think about Chip or uh, Brian Kelly pushing an assistant coach? Uh,
0: well, uh, Notre Dame winning was a great win for Notre Dame. They beat a top twenty-five team, who obviously proved that they are a good football team. They won in a hostile environment. Uh, Temple played a great game until that interception at the end. You know they they hung with them. They didn't do any, they they didn't do anything stupid, and they just kept coming at them. You know things happen though. I mean their name was supposed to win that game and they won that game. You know their talent finally just out. You know just beat out Temple's is what happened at the end. Um, the Brian Kelly thing was interesting because it wasn't like hey get back. It was I'm just gonna I'm just gonna beat you right now until you start. Because apparently what happened was. That assistant coach is yapping at the ref over a penalty, and I guess the ref oh. kind of says something to Brian about, "Hey, get your boy back for a throw flag." So instead of just telling him, "Hey, go back to the sideline," you know, Kelly just goes after him. That was weird. Um, I like how he tries to avoid. Yeah, you know, he tried to avoid. Hey, you know, I did something wrong by trying to attack one of my assistants. Um, you know, he tried to skip that whole angle over. So I think that if the university is going to have to lay down, they're going to have to come out and say something because this well, is a national yeah. TV and a prime-time game. The university is going to say something, not do something, say something. He explained himself. The reason why he did it is it was about to cost them. Um, it was about to cost Notre Dame a fifteen-yard penalty, and so and so Brian Kelly said, "Well, I need to be able to control my sideline."
1: Oh, yeah. And so, yeah.
0: I don't know. You I think the camp well,
1: uh, I See, the way th- I look at I, it, I, I he think, was scared I think of the penalty. But do it because, I think he did it because the guy, he didn't want his team to uh, get a 15-yard power. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and there's a difference. All you do is walk over there and step in between him and the official and say, official, I got this. Please forgive me. He went at him, like Jonathan said, with hate in his eyes. Like he was about to beat his ass right there on the field. I mean, there was coaches trying to come in between him, which, I mean, that's okay. He put his hands on me like that on National TV. He getting pile-drived right there on the sideline, head coach or not. Uh, nobody's going to put their hands on me like that. And I think he crossed the line, and um, this is not the first time a coach from Notre Dame. There this man has crossed the line. And what the funny thing is Brian Van Gorder, the defensive porn star coordinator over there for Notre Dame, was sitting there looking away like he didn't even want to get involved in it. It was a it was a big deal, but it sets up, man. Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, Boston College and Stanford. It's all gonna come down to November twenty eighth, the Stanford game, Jonathan, if Notre Dame can pull that one out. Stanford, but but here's the key: Stanford's going to have to win the rest of their games too. If this is a one loss Stanford, one loss Notre Dame, I mean that could be a playoff game, couldn't it? The winner goes to the uh, the college playoff, really.
0: Yeah, I know you're right. I mean that's exactly what that game will be. Because um, you know, as long as you know, obviously we're, we're we're kind of forecasting a couple losses here and there with with some teams, but yeah, I mean. It, this is definitely uh, going to be a huge game for both uh, one-loss team. I mean, easily might be considered the game of the year, and that's it's just yep. it's amazing we're even there considering the struggles that Clemson had at Virginia and at Temple that they're still in this race. That just shows that team has so much resilience and so much resolve mm-hmm. that they're just not going to quit.
1: And I see Notre Dame like playing Stanford. I think. Stanford plays right into the strengths of Notre Dame. And and even that game's in California. Notre Dame, road games don't seem to affect Notre Dame, really. They, they seem to play well no matter where they go. And Stanford's a smash-mouth team. They don't hide it, but they do have some athletes. But I think Notre Dame wins that football game. And, Quinn, we're going to have some great debates. Uh, at the end of the season, if we have a, a one-loss Notre Dame team and some other chaos going on, who gets in? But you look at that Notre Dame schedule – Texas, at Virginia, Georgia Tech, at Clemson, maybe USC, Temple, Pitt, Stanford. I mean, those are some quality opponents. And I'm not going to hate on your Irish today, Quinn. I'm just going to give them props for going on the road and then beating a good Temple team that's fundamentally sound, And those guys are good. They're not five stars by no means. They're a good little football team, and Notre Dame survived it. So hats off, Quinn. Congratulations, one of your team's at least doesn't suck this year. <laughs> I w would,
0: I wouldn't even I mean, I wouldn't even say that
1: uh Auburn sucked. It's just No, they don't. They don't. Yeah. They don't. I was joking. I was trying to get you to laugh a little bit. Um, <laughs> looking at some other scores before we move to the N F L and I've got to get y'all's opinion on the game tonight. We're gonna to preview this game and talk some NFL, but the Florida State looked good with McGuire, Jonathan. Really liked that cat. Quarterback forty five to twenty one. That was that probably met your expectations and then some. A twenty four point win, uh, after what happened. And that's the key, Jonathan. After what happened last weekend against Georgia Tech. You were worried about this Florida State team coming out yesterday and they didn't disappoint. So now looking ahead, is it next week they play Clemson or is it two weeks from?
0: Oh no! It's this Saturday. We we get to go to Death Valley.
1: Ooh 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 ooh. Let's see a point spread. There's is there a point spread on that game yet?
0: Um, I.
1: Clemson three and a half
0: probably. No, actually, they're not announcing the spread until they know for certain if Dalvin's uh, playing or not. Let me just go ahead and uh, and and end that for you. Dalvin Cook didn't play against Syracuse, so he can play this week. We actually sat a lot of guys this week. So they can play against Clemson, and that—that that was just even more amazing about that win. And it was outstanding. Sean had great touch on the deep ball. We now have a little bit of a quarterback controversy because Sean beat Clemson last year. Sean looked very good last week. He had great control of uh, the offense. And Syracuse defensive coordinator came out after the game and said, "We were hoping we'd get Golson." Because Golson is not in the check- <laughs> line. Sean can check the line. Everett yep. knows. I mean, this is because the defensive coordinator, since he called Golson stupid, which, hey, I'll take it. I think it's
1: inexperience. I think it's inexperience of the offense, maybe he meant. Maybe he meant that McGuire's used to the offense and he can kind of check in other plays where Golson's learning the system. Maybe he meant that. What do you think, Johnson?
0: No, I think he called Golson stupid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, i got to preview some games for you this up this upcoming weekend. We have LSU-Bama, and I think a lot of people are expecting LSU to go in there. They're not going to do it, guys. We'll preview these games. We have Notre Dame-Pitt. We have uh, Auburn-A&M. To me, that's a big game. And, you know, I'm all about football. Ole Miss-Arkansas could be tricky. Do not sleep on Arkansas right now. Um Minnesota, Ohio State, Michigan State, Nebraska. Which Nebraska is terrible? My God, are they. I think Nebraska should leave the Big tw- Big Ten and go to FCS. What do you think, John?
0: I mean, Nebraska looks awful, but I will say that you know, that Nebraska would have won that game yesterday if they had had to go to the backup. Uh, their starter, starting quarterback got knocked out, so the backup came in, and he just didn't. He looked like a deer in the headlights. Didn't know what he was doing. And they still put up a lot of points with him in there. So, I, I think, in all reality, that was just a fluke that Purdue won that game. But, no, it, you're dead on. How bad is Nebraska?
1: They're bad. Get them off my screen. Get them off my TV. And, and before we get off, you know, I'm very impressed with Minnesota yesterday, the way they played. But, but right now, Oklahoma is destroying people. Jonathan, are you buying them right now? Are you selling them because, I mean, this is a team that could really, really cause some problems in the playoffs coming up. I mean, Oklahoma looks unbeatable right now. I don't know if that's because they play nobody in the defenses, but they are carving people up.
0: Well, I mean, they just tore up Kansas. Is that really impressive? But Oklahoma did look very good yesterday. Um, there's still somebody to reckon with. I, I can't wait to see um Oklahoma and Baylor go out of Evil Baylor's backup. up. I think that's gonna be a great game. It, this is this is something else, man. This Oklahoma team's really bounced back from that loss. That loss looks really bad after what Texas did last
1: night. Oh man, they got did they get shut out by Iowa State? Yep. Yeah, they got blown you get blanked against Iowa State. Let's, I mean, Iowa State sucks. I mean, they, and I'm not trying to be not politically correct here. Let's, let's look at Iowa State right now. They lost to Iowa, which is okay. You know, they lost to Toledo. They lost to Texas Tech 66-31. to 31. They get pistol whipped by TCU. They get skull drugged by Baylor. And then all of a sudden they beat Texas. 24 to nothing i mean that's that's saying a lot right there that's all i needed to say i'm not ready to throw oklahoma in there yet guys i mean again the big 12 the oklahoma state takes tech game was 70 to 53 and get to get oklahoma state out of any conversation of a playoff the only playoff they should have is is which team sucks the most on defense and maybe get a a four team playoff together like that. But they're terrible, man. I'm I'm just sick of 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 hearing about Oklahoma State. But let's go through the rankings real quick. A P poll, Ohio State one, Baylor two, Clemson three, L S U four, TCU five, Jonathan, after seeing those hearing those rankings, what stands out to you a little bit? And and keep in mind all five teams receive first place votes as well.
0: Uh, There's a little, you know, there's obviously a little more parity than people at first expected going into this year. Uh, You know, everybody thought Ohio State was just going to completely run away with everything, and I think um, uh, JT Barrett getting in trouble this weekend really throws a wrench around in that. Um, And let's not forget what he got in trouble for. Yeah, I want to talk about
1: that in a minute. By the way.
0: Yeah, I mean Clemson.
1: You know what? If there's
0: a team in the nation right now that looks like they honestly are maybe the best team, at least they're playing the best right now, it's Clemson. Clemson looks outstanding. Even with that game yesterday, and that's what I expected yesterday. That was going to be a hard-fought game. Um, You know, I thought Clemson, if they were going to lose a game this year, you know, that wasn't the Florida State, and that's really the bias in me. But I said if Clemson, you know, they they beat Florida State, beat Georgia State, middle of the schools. If they lose a game this year, it might be NC State because the week before Florida State – And, you know, it comes after they're at Miami. It's like right in that middle stretch for them. And they came out and they responded really well in the second half yesterday and played really great football. Clemson right now, to me, might be the best team in football.
1: Well, Jonathan, let me ask you this. Does Clemson, just say Clemson makes the playoffs, does it hurt Notre Dame's chances to make the playoffs or help Notre Dame's chances of making the playoffs? But The reason I'm asking about hurting it, would you want to see that game possibly again? Notre Dame and Clemson, or do you move on to bigger and better things because they already played?
0: Well, I think it would help Notre Dame's chances because if we got to see Notre Dame and Clemson play on a level playing field that wasn't in the middle of a Monsoon, how much different would that game be? And I think that's the big thing there. I mean, we got to remember that game was in the middle of of a, of a tropical storm low-grade hurricane. <laughs> so I, I think, honestly, if they were to go out on the neutral field, that would be a fun game again because, you know, you weren't really game planning for each other. It we was just hoping you could battle through the elements. It was really what that game was.
1: Well, in the rest of the top ten, Michigan State six, I was the highest one-ranked, one-loss team, Notre Dame eight. Notre Dame moved ahead of Stanford. After beating Temple on the road and Stanford struggling, and will Washington State team. And Washington State's pretty doggone good. They're not terrible. So, uh, everybody out there thinking this is your old Washington State, they haven't watched them play. They're a pretty good football team. Florida is at 11, right behind Iowa. Iowa's 8-0 no at number 10, which tells you that Iowa, you're not going to the playoff. I'm sorry, I know you're 8-0, no, but we think Stanford's better, we think Notre Dame's better, we think Alabama's better. Uh, But, Quinn, your Notre Dame dream could come true because Ohio State still has to play. Michigan State, Michigan, and a possible Big Ten championship. Baylor has to play TCU. One of them will fall, if not both. Oklahoma plays both of them still remaining. Clemson, if Florida State beats Clemson, that could throw a monkey wrench into it as well. Alabama, LSU. So, so Jonathan, all this is going to start working itself out in the next few weeks. I think we could have some – some crazy things happening in Florida at number eleven. They could find themselves at eleven and one playing an Alabama LSU team like that for the SEC championship with a thing to go. I know that would be a nightmare for you, right?
0: Please don't let don't 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 do that. I, I really don't need Florida to make the playoffs for Florida State tonight. But I mean, I still think Florida State's going to beat Florida. Don't get me wrong. So I don't think we have to worry about that too much.
1: You know, I do too. I honestly do too. I, I think Florida State has the athletes on the field uh, to win. But guys, Ole Miss is 19th. They stayed the same. Houston didn't move. Florida State stayed at 17. Michigan actually dropped one place by and, – and honestly, Minnesota should have won that game. I mean, the Gophers, Jonathan, should have won that game, man. That's just – if you're Jason Minson right now, I'm, I'm sure you, you've thought about suicide a couple times. I don't know, but – that was that was terrible. Temple actually only dropped two places in the poll, in the A P poll. How can you penalize them for losing to Notre Dame team? But here's what I don't get. I don't get this. And tell me what you think, Jonathan, and I'll ask Quinn. Texas A and M came back up in the poll by beating a terrible South Carolina team by a touchdown. I mean, really? (laughs) A&M and the polls. I'm hoping Auburn puts a a bullet in them next weekend. Jonathan, what do you think about A&M being ranked after beating South Carolina?
0: Well, here's my thing. How is A&M ranked and Duke's not? And we all knew Duke had that game stolen from them. So how are they ranked? You know, I I mean, I'm just... (laughs) I'm just baffled by that. And the Mississippi State, I don't think they belong at 24 either. So I'm, just, I'm looking at the rankings. Yeah, I'm looking at the rankings and go, what's going on, y'all? I mean, really? I mean, I mean, what is this? I mean, this is if this is an SEC bias, I don't know what is, to be honest with you. <laughs> Auburn,
1: Auburn's right at 26 right now. And I'm just... Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> I mean, hey, the Tennessee's committee's coming 30. Like Tennessee, and I want to talk about them too. Tennessee right now, if you don't watch them and, and it kinda of puts fear into you of how good this team could possibly be and how good they're gonna be in the future, you're you're either a dumbass or Joey Vizzy because Joey Vizzy's the only one that thinks Tennessee's still terrible and I don't know Paul Ewing does, but tell me, I'm telling you right now guys, Tennessee could be undefeated right now. That's how good they are. And now, unlucky though, I just want to throw that out there. They're nowhere, they're at like 35. I mean, tell me Tennessee's not better than Mississippi State. Tell me Tennessee's not better. I mean, they are. And I, I think it is some SEC bias going on there. You're putting Miss, Mississippi State's not good. I mean, they're not. and AM, they may beat Auburn this weekend because of the night game at College Station, but trust me, we should win that game. And I say we're a seven and a half point underdog, and we should win that game. But, uh, well, here's what one thing we'll talk about before we move real quick. We got to move quick, guys. The committee's coming out Tuesday, and they're they're going to do it. But Ole Miss at 19th right now, Jonathan, seven and two. What that tells me, in, in the AP voters mind when I'm looking at. And I just want to know what the committee would think. But Ole Miss, they they play LSU, they play Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl. But do you think a team this late in the season at ranked 19th? could possibly move up into the top four. That's why I'm so interested in seeing what the committee – where do you think the committee will have Ole Miss ranked? Jonathan, are you there? Are you yeah, no, 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 What you
0: no, I was thinking that's a tough question, to be honest with you. Um, it is. It is. Wow. I mean, uh, mm. mm-mm-mm. Because, I'm because sure of about this, that. Jonathan,
1: people think the committee, and Fania said it before, the committee, they just look at their things. They don't care about the AP and coaches poll. But I think it's human nature to look at other, the AP writers' polls. I mean, don't you? I mean, I don't think the committee is going to have Ole Miss at number eight, and they're ranked 19th in the AP poll. And you look at the coaches' poll, Ole Miss is ranked 19th, and they moved up from 21st, So. I think the committee is going to kind of follow suit, don't you, with what the AP and coaches have?
0: I think they will, at least on the back end. um, I think they'll rework the top ten how they want to rework it. I think once you get to, like, you know, I'd say 15 to 25, I think they'll do whatever they want kind of a thing, and it'll be more of, yeah, they're they're definitely going to follow the uh, the other polls. Um, It's just. It's interesting looking at Ole Miss, what what might committee do with them because of Alabama and because, you know, they lost to Florida, and you're going, well, that Florida loss isn't too bad. Well, they lost to Ole Miss, so well, that Ole Miss loss doesn't look too bad. So, you know, it, it's just Memphis, really Memphis. interesting looking at it.
1: Yeah, losing to Memphis is what's killed them, and Memphis is 15th ahead of them. So I, I think Memphis is the problem, Jonathan. As long as Memphis keeps winning, how are you going to put Ole Miss ahead of them?
0: I, you can't. You really can't. And that, that's the odd thing because Ole Miss is still in the driver's seat, really, for the SEC West to go to the SEC Championship game. So it's just – it's really interesting, this whole thing. I mean, might they, might they bump Ole Miss up a little higher just because of the fact that they are in
1: the driver's seat. And I think Ole Miss is a good team, don't get me wrong, but I think they're a very inconsistent team as well. And to yeah. me – I think a a, a one-loss Bama, just say Alabama wins all their games, they get left out of the SEC championship game, Ole Miss beats Florida, one-loss or two-loss team beats them by a field goal or something. How are you going to leave Alabama or maybe a one-loss LSU team? I don't think that could be possible because they play each other still. But is Alabama's name big enough? to get in with one loss. I just don't see how you could put a two-loss Ole Miss team in over a one-loss Alabama team. I, I really don't. I know they beat them, but it's just hard to believe, right? I mean, this is Alabama we're talking about. You look at the schedule they've had all year. I just want, I'm just interested to see where the committee has them because if the committee – Views Ole Miss as in the driver's seat and controls their own destiny, they may have Ole Miss closer to Alabama than people think. And that's what I want people to understand. I'm thinking the committee's going to have Ole Miss probably about number 13. And um, that's where I would disagree with
0: that. But I,
1: I but can't 19, disagree with that. But 19, I just, that's, Wow, and I think they're nineteenth because you can't put them ahead of Memphis. You can't put Memphis up in the top ten because they're Memphis. So I think Memphis is holding the stranglehold. I think it may be better that Memphis loses a couple of games almost than than to just <laughs> stay, unde- stay undefeated here because Quinn, you can't move Ole Miss ahead of Memphis. Man, they're 8 yeah. no right now, and and I don't know. This is I think the SEC could get left out of the. The playoff, man. I'm telling I you, I, I really I, do. Yeah, I think
0: it's a lose-lose for Memphis anyway. It, it, anyway, because if they win, yeah. all, you can't put them ahead. But if but if they drop a couple games or even just one game, it's well, you are off to Memphis by two touchdowns.
1: And skull drug by Florida, by the way. Don't don't, yeah. don't forget that. Yeah. They got beat bad, didn't they, Jonathan? What was that, 30, 20-something points they lost by? Yeah, uh, and
0: that, that game was ugly. I, mean, I think the only way, and you're going to have to hear me out on this one, the only way Memphis could lose a couple games and it not look bad is if they lose to Houston and Temple.
1: And Temple, And and,
0: yep. and then, you know, let's say, you know, Temple beats Houston, but at the end of the day, you know, that doesn't really matter. If we have an 11-1, and one, uh, a 10-2 and two Temple whose losses are to undefeated Houston and Notre Dame, an undefeated Houston, and Memphis' only losses are to an undefeated Houston and and two lost Temple with two good losses, then I think we could talk about, okay, that loss doesn't look bad. You lost a good team. They ate each other alive. It happened. And it's the only way
1: Ole Miss can come out of this alive. Yeah. Well, guys, I want to move on because I want to talk real quick about Ohio State, and then I want to move to the NFL. we got to give maybe some World Series, but and if you guys don't have the time, let me know. And uh, But, but you know, Urban Meyer's book about leadership is coming out. He just got off his – he minute an interview or something saying how he would have handled the Jameis Winston, how his team is a, a model team to show how to do it the right way. The leader of this Ohio State team arrested for a DUI – early Saturday morning, being drunk, and, and now all of a sudden, here we are. I mean, Jonathan, this is big because, I mean, you're looking at it. Barrett's the leader of this team. They looked unbeatable with Barrett right there. Well, I mean, could this cause some problems in the locker room? I mean, because if I'm an Ohio State player, I'm pissed off that you're my leader and you don't value this team more than what you just did. I think there's some egg on the face right now of Ohio State.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think there's going to be some issues there. Um, and, you know, it was interesting because from what I heard, JT was essentially was with Cardell when this happened. So that definitely leaves you to wonder, well, what, what, what's really going on? Now, here, here's what baffles me. Ohio State has an automatic two-game suspension if you're arrested for drugs or alcohol. They came out and said he's only going to be suspended one game. So you're going to get your- <laughs> I mean, how do you break so rules and then justify it? Well, well, because well, it was only a, a misdemeanor. But if he was caught with misdemeanor possession of marijuana, he gets a two game suspension. So I mean, let's not forget, JP's only twenty; he's not twenty one yet. He got busted trying to avoid a, 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 a drug, you know, the, um, the, uh, the the stops, the alcohol stops. He got he got busted trying trying to uh, uh, skirt around that. Got caught. Blew over the limit. He blew, uh, I think it was like a .099, and the limit was like .08. Okay, so he blew over. It wasn't like, well, he, he was like, no, no, no. He's underage and blew over the legal limit. Okay, that's a true gamer. All uh, right, that's a DUI. That's an OBI. It's a DUI. What's wrong with you, Ohio? So I'm trying to figure out here, what's Ohio State trying to do, and how are you going to come out and slam Florida State, and then this happens, well, he only gets a one game. What? You, know what, you know what I heard, and I'm not saying it's right, but they counted this spy week as a game so that then he don't – No, they shouldn't be able week. to do that. I, said, I that, think it's not right,
1: but I guess that sounded like that's what they did. Well, you know, karma will get you guys, and you can do that. You can bring it back. But when you're playing Michigan State and Michigan at the end of the year – We'll see what, what this does to that team. And I'm I'm not saying Ohio State's out of the woods here. I think what what, what could hurt Ohio State, Jonathan, and tell me if I'm wrong, they lose late in the season. That's going to hurt them. Last year they lost the first game of the season, and they bounced back. They lose. Even if they win the Big Ten and they lose late, they may not get in the playoffs.
0: I well, I think if Ohio State loses at all. I think they're out. Um that that's just where, where I'm sitting right now. I think if they lose the game at all, they're out of it. And it's because of this ball, where They were supposed to be the clear-cut number one. That's the same reason with Florida State. Florida State, if they had lost the game last year, would have been knocked out of the race. We all know it. We all know it. Yep. Nobody can argue that. So I, I think looking at it, you know, at this point, Ohio State's got to try and figure out how they can, A, damage control this, and B, he if he's suspended the next two games, I believe it's like Minnesota and Illinois. I believe in the next two they play, so he wouldn't even be suspended for the uh, for the for Michigan State. So why yeah. not just go ahead and throw the do a two game or like you know your university standards say you should, and, and just go from there. I mean, what, what I don't I don't yeah. get this. I'm just baffled by this.
1: Because they're Ohio the That's why.
0: That's why because they're Ohio. They they don't care. They just
1: want to win. That's why you don't brag about, like, that's why you don't throw rocks at other people and, and sit there and judge them, and then that happens to you. Now Urban Meyer looks dumber than he's ever looked. What an idiot. You don't come out and say what a kind of disciplinarian you are, and then this happens. And I don't know. But I, I think it could be the backup quarterback right there. What's his name? Uh, or what's the backup name? I'm sorry, I'm Jones. Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Cardell Jones they have called the police on himself to get his job back. Who knows, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's the running joke right now.
1: Oh, that's funny. But guys, let's move on real quick to the NFL, baby. The NFL. I need some. We need to break down this game tonight. We're going to talk about the other games today, but. Tonight, this is a, a game that's kind of, at first, I was like, okay, Green Bay's got this. But closer to game time I'm getting, the more I'm thinking that Denver can actually win this game tonight. And it's not because of Peyton Manning. It's going to be because of that Bronco defense. Quinn, let's start with you. Who do you like tonight? The Cheeseheads going on the road to Denver, two and 6-0 teams. Who do you got?
0: I actually think uh, Denver wins,
1: and I think they win by
0: 10 points.
1: And you said that last week, too, didn't you? Didn't you say that on the last show?
0: Uh, I don't know if I did.
1: I think you did. Jonathan, who do you like, man, and why? Tell me, is Aaron Rodgers, could this Denver defense give him some problems at night? Well,
0: here's how it's going to go. Green Bay is going to come out and have a really good first half like they do every week. Just like Denver has a poor first half, that's, that's just how these teams uh, are. That's how they work right now. Um, I think we, we also need to remember Denver's got a good defense. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to argue that, but at the same time, Denver's defense isn't going to get those free pick sixes that they got off of Josh McCown, uh, those free interceptions that <laughs> they got off of Flacco, and guys like that. I mean, we got we got to just remember things like that. Look at who Denver's played and look at who they've struggled with. Compare as Green Bay is just being comfortable. They're doing their thing. They don't really care who they're playing. Rodgers isn't going to make stupid decisions. There's a huge difference between between him and a lot of the quarterbacks. I mean, you know, everyone's talking about how Flacco's elite. That's fine and dandy. But I was talking to one of my one of the my Ravens guys that I trust, and he says Flacco has thrown the ball off his back foot more times than he thinks he's seen in, in any other season. Flacco looks rough. The offensive line looks rough. So I think gauging that Baltimore game is, is, is not a great idea. The Cleveland game is not a great idea. You know, Green Bay's defense is good enough compared to all these other teams because Baltimore can't get a pass rush. Cleveland can't get a pass rush. You know, and those are the two I'm focusing on because those are the two that still stick in my head for Denver. Green Bay can get a pass rush. Green Bay is not going to let them run the football, and they're going to keep Denver's defense on the field, and you're going to see the leaks in the holes. I think Green Bay goes ahead and wins this game, and I like laying the two and a half. I think they win by at least three points.
1: And see, I see, I agree with everything you said. I really do. I mean, you know, this is an elite quarterback there in Rodgers, but it's a night game in Denver. That's two undefeated teams, and I, To me, and you tell me what you think. I think the media is not giving Denver a shot in hell to win this game. But the line dropped from like three and a half or three to two and a half, which those kind of games scare me, Jonathan. Usually, when a line drops, why? why? Because
0: it's the sharps buying back the line. I saw this coming. The line opened at two and a half and got hammered early by all the sharp betters out in Vegas. And the whole idea was when that line gets to three and a half, they're going to buy it back so they can hammer it again. That's, that's, that's exactly how line manipulation works around key numbers. you got big money guys who so go around big numbers to get it, and then when it gets too high, they buy it right back.
1: Well, that could be true. Well, you're right. That that does happen. And, and I've seen – I've had games before where just say a line started at three, and I took, well, let's see, two and a half. I took Denver tonight for two and a, or say I took Green Bay at two and a half. It gets all the way up to five. I turn around and take Denver plus five and all of a sudden I have uh two bets that really will cancel each other out, but I have a chance to really hit it in the middle, Jonathan, and these happen a lot. You know, you hit right in the middle, Denver, Green Bay one by four, all of a sudden I won the first bet and I won the second one. <laughs> I mean, so that's that's a good point. That's a good point. But I just worry about You know, I think Lacey's hurt. Isn't he kind of banged up a little bit, dinged up?
0: Uh, From what I heard, Lacey's actually going to get an all-go tonight. It's James Starks, his backup, the real change of pace back that's dinged, somebody you need to keep an eye on. Uh, I know Ty Montgomery's dinged up. They're a quick little slot guy that compliments Cobb. Um, You know, but, I mean, it's just – it's. I think those are. In, I think it's kind of the New England methods where the guy's hurt, but he's not really hurt. And you got to remember, the year that the Patriots went undefeated, New England listed Tom Brady as questionable on every single injury report. So I think some of the more savvy teams in the NFL are a little more. Hey, let's just. Oh, you have a cough. Oh, well, he's
1: questionable due to, due to the flu.
0: I, I I really think that that happens more than people really give him credit for. Well,
1: I just. Uh, it's hard to bet against Aaron Rodgers, guys. I mean, he he makes you pay. You can't get to him. And Denver's defense is good, but the pressure, Aaron Rodgers doesn't let pressure get to him because he releases so quickly. And also with Lacey, with that running game, can keep these, these pass rushers at bay a little bit and make him not as aggressive. I, I think Green Bay should be favored more, and that's what concerns me. And the NFL's rigged for the most part. You guys know that. I mean, there's some games in there where shaving goes on and two undefeated <laughs> teams right now. But but in a perfect world, Jonathan, like if you think about two six and teams, I could argue that Denver should be a slight favorite and maybe, you know, Vegas is trying to get you to bet on to bet on Green Bay right now. You know what I mean? It's like usually a two six and team, the home team's gonna be favored. So what it's telling me is Green Bay's probably a touchdown favorite, at least, at Lambeau against Denver. So Denver's not the better team here, you know? So Well, but know. they That's are, and one. you, you have to it.
0: remember, Denver's what? Four plays, five plays from being one and five, where Green Bay is five and one against the spread. The only spread they didn't cover was the Chargers because so that line was a stupid ten point, you know? So, I mean, if you're betting Green Bay games, in all honesty, you should be 6-0 oh this year. So I, I, if you, you really look at that, Green Bay's better team. Um, it's not like Denver's a huge big at home field advantage um, because you know Green Bay's just playing in the cold. Yeah, the air is a little thinner. You know what? I've practiced in that. If you can make it in Florida. You can make it in Denver. I guarantee you that to you right now. So I think you just have to look at this and go the better team is going to win tonight, and that's Green Bay because Peyton Manning's not going to be able to keep that offense on the field.
1: And the running game for Denver is not impressing me. So Quim – why do you besides your let's take out your hate for Green Bay let's take it, that out. Why do you think Denver wins?
0: Because Green Bay, well, one of the main reasons is because uh, Green.
1: Well, you uh, hate Green I Bay?
0: Just, I, <laughs> Green Bay's defense, I just think, is really not that good. I think Denver will be able to put up points, and I
1: think a Denver's defense will do enough. Yeah, we'll see. This is a, a very intriguing game. And 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 all of a sudden we flip from Sunday night to Monday night. To me, I'm a I'm a big Cam Newton guy. Um Jonathan, the fact that Carolina's favored six and a half doesn't surprise me because Carolina's not a team that blows you out and you're going up against an Andrew Lug team that, that needs a win. They're struggled at three and four. I think Carolina gets the win on Monday night, but I think it's probably by three or four points. Who do you like in this game?
0: I like Carolina to win. Uh, They have a much better defense. They can actually run the football. Um, And right now they have the more confident quarterback. Andrew Luck is still dinged up. Don't let him lie to you. He is. And, you know, he's just not willing to admit it, to be honest. So I I think looking at it, you're looking at a much better team in Carolina right now. They're on a roll. They're coming off a big win. now they're home on a a nationally televised game once again. And they're going to come out and show up for it. And at the end of the day, Indianapolis' offensive line is awful, so that's bad for Andrew Luck in that offense, and their defense is just as bad. So, I mean, that's that's how I'm looking at this game. Carolina, I don't know if they win by six and a half because I kind of agree with you. I I think it's going to be a close game, and it also has a lot to do with the fact that Andrew Luck seems to bust a lot of spread.
1: Well, I wish I could get Everett on the phone. Uh, a few years ago, we go back. We're having our our discussion debate. He was telling me that Cam Newton wouldn't be good in the NFL, that Tim Tebow was the better quarterback, and looking at uh, they took a short uh, short ballot, you know, a, a ballot to see who's the MVP, and Cam Newton's receiving more votes for MVP of the league right now. It's a 6-0, and you know, being 6-0 and right now. Jonathan, you never thought it. I never thought about it. Quinn, you never thought that Carolina could be 6-0 and right now after losing Kelvin Benjamin. Is that a true statement? Yeah, 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 yeah. Six and zero right now, losing all they've done, and they're getting confident. They're getting more confident. It's not Cam Newton. I mean, he's a part of it, but the big, the reason that Carolina is so good right now is that defense, man. It's they're very physical. They they, they can just tackle. They tackle in space well. Luke Eakly's everywhere. So Cam Newton gets a lot of credit, Jonathan. I think for the six and zero, but. I think that defense has a lot to say about it, don't you?
0: I agree. That defense is outstanding, led by uh, Davis and Keekly. Without them, you know, and and the underrated acquisition of Jared Allen. I, Allen's been a great edge, uh, coming off the edge for them.
1: Yeah, that's a huge addition that nobody even talks about. And, and having him there, it kind of keeps you from double-teaming other people, you know, in this. It's just hard to stop this Carolina team. But here's the deal: you're you're Indianapolis right now. Just so you lose, you're three and five. You're still close to first place right there, anyway. You may be behind the Texans. What are the Texans right now? Their win today put them about even with Indianapolis, didn't it?
0: I think it did. I'm not certain. I mean, that's that's a black hole of a division.
1: Yeah. So I mean, there's no urgency there. I mean, if I'm if I'm Indy. I'm I'm benching Andrew Luck. I'm letting him get healthy. I'm taking the loss on the road because I must tell you, he's going to get hit a lot tomorrow night. Uh, You watch and see. If he's not on his back getting up, he may not get sacked a lot. He's going to get hurried. He's going to get knocked down every time he throws the football. And it's partly because of that offensive line. And then you add the deemed-up part. It's just not a good game for him. But let's go to the NFL today, Thursday night. Uh, the Patriots got it done, thirty-six to seven, easy win over the Dolphins. And again, Thursday night had no impact on Tom Brady. Most teams that are favored struggle on Thursday. They took care of business. Now, Jonathan, your Tampa Bay Bucs today with a huge win on the road at at Atlanta. This this is a a Tampa Bay team that's three and four now, and looking at this division, how it's played out in the past. Tampa Bay's not out of it just yet. Three and four, big win over the Falcons on the road. What are your thoughts? It was a great win today. Um, I wish
0: I had just been on the right side of it. Um, uh, Damon played really well, all things considering that Vincent was out, Murphy was non existent. I don't even know if he stepped on the field. Mike Evans was battling between uh, the drops and, I think, Bruce Ego. I don't know if he was actually hurt. I think he was just pretending to be hurt because he couldn't catch uh, water. For, you know, water people in and out of a boat. Um, I mean, we were down to using three tight ends and Adam Humphreys, our punt return guy, a- in the passing game. I mean, it was just it was an all-around effort, but I want to state this. Atlanta handed this game on a silver flatter. The Bucs should have never been up 20 to three. You had a bad snap on the four-yard line. You had a, a, a horrible to try, pretend read option. Matt Ronnie should never try to run a read option. Uh, but <laughs> at the end of the day, for four weeks now, Atlanta looks awful. They look bad against Washington. They look bad against Tennessee. They look bad against us. This is just not a very good football team right now. This is a team that I think, looking at the early part of the schedule, you start going, that's a lot of luck wins. That was really a lot of luck wins and not talent-wise. And they got to try and figure something out because they looked dreadful today.
1: Yeah, Julio was hot early in the – you know, it was like he – they played the Eagles the first game in Atlanta. They barely squeezed that one out. They went to New York when New York was starting to fill themselves out a little bit. Won that one barely. They went to Dallas, and that was without Romo, right? Yeah, that was the week Romo was out. They won that one. They were down – uh, for most of that game. And then they beat Houston in Atlanta. They they survive in overtime against Washington. They get skull-drugged by New Orleans. They beat Tennessee by Phil. You're right. I mean, this team has played terrible. And now looking at their schedule, add San Fran. I mean, why do I think you can beat San Francisco on the road if you can't beat Tampa at home? And then you play Carolina on the road. Or, excuse me, you play Indianapolis in Atlanta, which I think by then Andrew Luck's going to be more healthy, and you and beat them by then. Then Minnesota, look at them. They're 5-2 and two right now. Then they go to Tampa Bay, to Carolina, to Jacksonville. Then they host Carolina and New Orleans. I think Atlanta may not even make it in the playoffs, man. I mean, I know their record right now is 6-2, but, God, they're the worst 6-2 and two team in the NFL right now. So I just want to throw that game out there because you're a big Tampa fan. Uh, the Bears, Quinn, uh, let me down today. They're two and five now. Lost to Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, where do where do the Bears go from here, man? Where do they go? Uh,
0: where they gone all season? I I think everyone, including them, there would be a rough year. The last two weeks, are game. I mean, the Detroit game, and then this game are games they could have won, and they just were on the short ends of it.
1: Yeah, they suck. It yeah. sucks when your team sucks, man. It does. I mean, they're they're bad. They're, they have no business losing to Minnesota right now at home. And and you want to talk about a bad loss today. Pittsburgh at home losing to Cincinnati like this, Jonathan. They had that game. Pittsburgh had the game one. Roethlisberger with a bonehead. I don't know if you saw that interception or not. But a boneheaded interception late in the game to set Cincinnati up for that touchdown. Give me your thoughts on Cincinnati Pitt real quick.
0: Uh, Andy Dalton tried to get that game away, and then Roethlisberger gave it right back. All right, that's the best way I can put that game. I mean, e- even on that final chance, uh, the you know, from the, I think it was the 28-yard line, where you had a chance to, you know, maybe throw something up at the end, and he threw it out of the back of the end zone. I was really disappointed in what I saw from Roethlisberger today. Uh, but, I mean, that's his first week back from an injury. I still think this is a good Pittsburgh team. I think Cincinnati showed a lot of holes, and they need to try and figure that one out. It's just, you know, and Le'Veon Bell. How long is Le'Veon Bell going to be out for? That injury looked very bad. I, I mean, I was, I, when I saw that, the first thought was, oh, God, he's done.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he could be out. And that, that would hurt. That would hurt him bad, but. The New Orleans Saints guys, fifty-two to forty-nine over the Giants. I mean, I'm the one that had Eli Manning on my bench I'm like an idiot. He went off today. Uh, the Saints have won three in a row, and all of a sudden they're making a little noise right now. the The New Orleans Saints. What are they three and four and four now? The Giants are four and four. Jonathan, do you are you surprised at the score of this game? I mean, I'm I'm disappointed that neither team could stop the other. I mean, this was two bad defenses playing each other.
0: I mean, this is the same uh, San Francisco team that gave up 27. I mean, the same New York team that gave up 27 to San Francisco. So I wasn't surprised by it. I mean, for Eli Manning, I mean, how bad of luck do you have to where, you know, you you throw six touchdowns and lose? I mean, who, would, who, who saw that coming? That was just unreal. Um, Drew Brees played out of his mind today. This is the Drew Breeze everybody's come to expect. Um, just don't get used to it because I, I really think Drew Brees is on the downside of his career right now. And it's a shame to say that because he, he's been so good for so long. Um, but, yeah. I mean, it, it was a fluke that this game didn't go to overtime. And in all reality, it was, it was a face mask on a punt return that set them up for that field goal. And it was a 51-yard field goal. It wasn't a chip shot. It was just It was actually a really fun game to watch.
1: Yeah, and it was. It was a, a crazy game to watch. Let's run over some scores real quick. The Raiders right now. Surprise, surprise, up thirty four to twenty with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, surprisingly I thought the Jets, you know, I picked Oakland the other night, but I was really started thinking the Jets would would probably win today. But Oakland's a legitimate team, guys. They're they're playing good football right now. The defense is playing okay, the offense is starting to move the ball. Uh, Cowboys up twelve to ten in the fourth quarter right now against the Seahawks. Got the Cowboys plus five. Hope it, hope it turns out good. The Kansas City though, what a terrible game, forty-five to ten over the Lions. Jonathan, did, are they not? Are they just wanting to coach fire? Is that why Detroit playing the way they are? Because there's no way a team this talented should be one and seven right now. I mean. Detroit's too good to be one and seven. I just don't understand why they're so bad.
0: Well, they, they're missing the heart and soul of the defense and middle linebacker DeAndre Levy. He's been out, uh, I believe, the whole season. Um, and then, I mean, you got to remember, this is a team that decided letting Sue and League walk was a good idea. So they're missing the middle of the defensive line. The team's been able to run the football on them. They've never had a good secondary. Don't let them lie to you for a second. That secondary's never been good. That's always been their downfall. And offensively I think you're starting to see the age from Calvin Johnson. We gotta remember, you know, he, he's over you know, he's in his, his mid thirties at this point. I mean, he was drafted in oh five. So, I mean, yeah, he can't be, you know, the Superman forever. It's just you know, this Lions team just wasn't built right, to be honest. Ah.
1: Yeah, one and seven. Quinn, you're from that division over there. You 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 follow it. I mean, yeah. why do you think they're one and seven? Why do you think they're one and seven? Uh, I don't know. I didn't expect
0: them to be this bad. Uh, I think no, nobody it did. has to do with poaching, uh, Getting rid, what Jonathan said, getting rid of both and Fairly. That's what they were known for is their is their nasty defense, and the guys that
1: made that defense nasty are gone. Yeah, you need some thug in you. I mean, and and Detroit they lost their thug, they lost their inner thug, and if you you gotta be you gotta be nasty, right, guys? And this is not a racial thing. The word "thug" has nothing to do with the skin color. You got to have that mentality. Hell, I'm a thug sometimes. You know, I'm I'm one of those guys. I'm dirty, Johnson. I come in there and cut your throat, man. I don't care. You know, well, I mean, that's, that's what mean, you got to
0: be. I mean, you want to talk about <laughs> thug? You make a good point because it is needed in and majority of the sports. You see it in hockey. I mean that that was a you needed your goon. Who you know the glorified thug? That's that that's all it was. In hockey, you needed that to be a contender for a long time. In football, you need somebody's got a chip on their shoulder. I mean, the the Bucks definitely had it with Lawrence Stafford, and they won the Super Bowl. The Ravens had it with Ray Lewis both the times they won. Um, and if you look at basketball, I mean, does Detroit win two championships without Bill Lambert? You know, does does the Celtics win without Thank you. or the Lakers? I mean, you, you need it. It's, it's needed. This is definitely, you know, you, you need somebody with an edge who can really spark this team when when needed, and also put that fear in the other team. That's all. That's all you need. It is. You're right. It's not a racial thing. It's a mentality of, of an. You know, you're angry guy. There's there's your your firestorm.
1: Yeah, yep. and people here, and you know, I, you know, I've, I've been told before I use the word thug, and you shouldn't use that as racial. And I'm like, why? I'm talking about. A white person. What do you you mean? You know, I mean, Jeremy Shockey was a thug. He is a thug. You know, I mean, he he played in Miami. He's a white guy. And I just think sometimes people are so stupid that they have to make everything about a race. But, Jonathan, let me tell you this five-team parlay that I hit last night. You ready for it? Oh, go ahead. Washington minus four. Washington State plus ten. Temple plus ten and a half. Iowa State plus 3.5, Minnesota plus 11.5, 25-5, 11 and a half. 25 that's, that's a good one. Ooh, ooh, yeah, here's
0: that's a really I good lost. one.
1: Yeah, here's what I lost. Auburn money line, Georgia hmm. money line, California hmm. money line, Temple hmm. plus 10.5, and Minnesota plus 13. So, you know, I went for the – you, you get underdogs on a parlay to win out rides, you can get some serious money, man, if you just can luck up and hit one of those. But <laughs> it didn't mm-hmm. work out. I was two two and three on that one. But it was all all fun. But, guys, tonight, game, what are we in, game five of the World Series real quick before we get out of here. Um, Jonathan, does Kansas City close it out tonight on the road?
0: You know, I have a good friend who works in the front office for the Mets and I have a lot of good friends and family who are Mets fans. So I hate you know, I really want to see this series ex- extend. Um, it's gonna to be tough tonight. I think they do have an edge and they should win this ballgame. Uh Matt Harvey's a better pitcher. Volquez is rough on the road. But Volquez dealing with the deaths of his father uh the day of game one. I think he's gonna want a little extra zip. Can't see his lineup stack one through nine where the Mets just can't having a hard time hitting right now. I really think Kansas City goes ahead and closes this one out, and we call this a gentleman's sweep.
1: So, so you think Kansas City takes care of business tonight? And Because um, the line right now is minus 149. The Mets are favored by 150. So you lay 150 to win 100 for them. I think these are the kind of games, Quinn, that, that people expect, and they load up on the Mets because they, they think it's at least they're going to win. First of all, there's more Mets fans out there than Royals. So everybody's gonna be loading up tonight, Quinn on the Mets, and I think the Kansas City beats them.
0: Yeah, I do too. I thought Kansas City was gonna sleep on during like during game one I just had a feeling they were gonna sleep but well they didn't get the sleep so I think I think the I think they'll cream the Mets tonight. I'm thinking like maybe like six
1: zero or like eight two or something like that. So, Jonathan, the pressure the Matt Harvey's feeling tonight, and I mean, it, it presses. Even the hitters will be pressing a little bit. I mean, how does Kansas City kind of, you know, exploit that with Volquez well, can- pitching?
0: Kansas City's been there before, and that's one of the things. And I think you're going to see a lot of off-speed stuff from Volquez because you're right, the batters are going to be pressing. They're going to be trying to, to hit the ball. They're going to be trying to hit the ball early in the count. So you're going to see a lot of off-speed breaking pitches, especially uh, I believe he throws a really nice slider. Um, I mean, his fastball get up there, but that's what a lot of you guys are going to be looking for. That's what your Murphys and your Dudas are looking for tonight. So come at him with off-speed stuff. As far as uh, as your batters goes, Harvey's going to try and come at you with that fastball. It's a very good fastball-hitting team. They don't strike out a lot. They don't walk a lot because they put a lot of balls in play. So they're just going to have to sit back here and be ready for that 96, 97 coming at him because he's going to leave a couple of the middle of the plate, and we're going to see him exit the park, park tonight. I, this is this is really going to be something. Uh, they have a great closer in Wade Davis, who was a setup man for the past two years, and this is where the experience of having been there last year is really going to help them. Whereas the Nets are a young team that haven't really done this before outside of Curtis Granderson when this is the Yankees. So I, I really think right now Kansas City has that mental edge. They have a better lineup. They might not have a better pitcher, but from the looks of it, they have a better bullpen. And Ned Yost has proven that he's a better manager right now than Terry Collins because he's had that experience. He knows what to do. This is a huge game. Because the Mets win this game, when we go to game six, the Mets are throwing their ace out there in DeGrom, and you're really going to see something happen because I think he's going to come out and DeGrom's going to get a short leash. So it really sets up the Mets favorably if they can get to a game six, because then they can really start working their pitching staff better. But right now, tonight, I think Matt Harvey's going to get wrong, and this might be the last thing we see with him in a Matt uniform.
1: So what about the over? It's seven, over, under seven. What do you like in that? Oh, over,
0: over, over. Kansas, City, Kansas City's going to put some runs out. The Mets will probably get three or four, and I think Kansas City's going to win, so that, that there you go from there. Uh, you know what I mean? I really think you know these have been a lot of over games. I think every game's gone over in the series so far, and I don't think that changes now. You're seeing more offense. so are talking about how offense is declining in baseball, which is a lie. In high-pressure situations, we're seeing pitchers faltering more than the hitters.
1: Yep. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining me tonight at this unscheduled kind of time that we did. I, I apologize. I'm, I'm going. I've been on vacation, so I'm going back to work and. Um, I just need to get in the bed early tonight, so I'm going to get up at 520. So thanks for letting me get back on my schedule tonight. I'm going to go eat some dinner, watch some football tonight. But, guys, take care. We'll be back Wednesday night, and we'll preview this entire weekend coming up. So, Jonathan, get ready to, to break down Florida State and Clemson. We'll be talking LSU-FAMA. Big weekend of college football coming up, guys. Have a good week. And make sure you go to ultimatesportstalk.com. Uh, check our show out there. It's being played every day now, ultimate sports talk.com. You can go to blog talk radio. You can go to uh, Twitter at weigh sports. You can go to our Facebook page. There's a lot of ways to listen to us. John read the word you and Quinn out there to get people to start listening to the show. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, guys. Have a good week. All right. Y'all
0: too.